0: Thanks for joining us for this inspirational teaching by Pastor Jeffrey Smith, Senior Pastor of City of Life Church. For more information on City of Life, visit www.col.tv. Let's join the service already in progress. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about forgiveness. Uh, and I think that this is something, don't, don't, don't think to yourself what we do when we hear a subject like someone says, oh, well, I'm, we're going to talk about pride today. You think to yourself, oh, well, I, you know, I don't need to hear this. And, and that's probably why you need to hear it, uh, because you're so cocky that you don't think you need to hear it. Uh, I think forgiveness is, is also another one that we sort of tell ourselves that we're good uh, in this area, uh, but we forget the consequences of not doing it the right way, the way God expects us to do. Uh, it really weighs on us and affects all of our relationships. Uh, so today, I just pray that we'll have an open heart and let God do what he wants to do. Uh, The text is Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 through 34. And it says this, and for those of you that heard it last week, I'll try to add a couple of new things today so you feel uh, feel good about it. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king. This is Jesus telling this story. The kingdom of heaven is compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. I'll talk to you about what these money denominations mean in current money. He found someone that owed him a hundred denarii, which is much less, and seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience on me and I will pay you. He said the same thing to him that he had said to the guy that he owed all this money to. Have patience to me and I'll pay you. But he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and went and reported to their master all that had taken place. His master summoned him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should repay all his debt. I want to talk to you today. A message that is called the prison of unforgiveness. The prison of unforgiveness. Father, thank you for your goodness and your presence. Holy Spirit, we continue to invite you to just saturate us with your goodness, your mercy, your love, your kindness. Let us be so aware of the great things that you have done for us. We want to live our lives with a free heart. Your word says, who the Son is set free is free indeed it means you don't hold anything over our head but you allow us to live with a clean conscience before you conscience before you and to have joy and peace in our lives i pray in jesus to name the burden in jesus name the burden that people have here today of unforgiveness that they'd be able to release that and live that life of freedom that you have called us to help me to deliver this in a way that honors you and open up hearts to receive it in jesus name we pray and everybody said amen okay my wife is not here today uh so i can talk about her uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, has anyone ever known someone that likes to steal food from your plate? Raise your hand. I mean, I'm talking, I need a show of hands. Have you ever known people that like to steal your food? Does that frustrate you? They're called food burglars, and they think it's cute to try to steal food. My wife, uh, she's gorgeous, she's beautiful, always been beautiful since the day I've known her. Uh, we've been together for 22 years now uh, in some capacity. Been, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, that's not bad. Not bad. She loves french fries. Okay, my, my, my wife loves french fries. And I remember when we first started dating, uh, she would always try to watch her weight so she wouldn't want to eat too many french fries. So her way of doing this is we would go to a restaurant and the lady would say, uh, she would order a sandwich, and the, and the, the server might say to her, uh, would you like fries with that? And Amy would say, no, thank you. And she'd say, I'll just have some of his. <laughs> now, I'm a Christian, but this bothered me from day one. Okay, I just let her know right up front, I'm like, look, I, I will buy you fries, and you can only... She's like, but I only want like three. I'm like, then I'll buy you fries and just eat three. But just let me eat my fries. Don't take my fries. These are my fries. So as we were sort of working this out and developing the protocol and the standard on what food you're allowed to steal and not steal, she kind of morphed the different approaches that she had to taking my food. And I'm going to kind of go through some of the things that she did in the process of stealing my food. So we started out initially, uh, when we first met, she would use what I'm going to call the flirty uh, and honest approach. Uh, And so what she would do is she would just look at me with a really cute look and she'd go, (laughs) I'm just going to steal one of these right here. and and she eat it and it's the weirdest feeling because like I liked it what she was doing like I was kind of feeling it a little bit but like I was also angry because she's stealing my stuff it's a strange conflicting emotional situation for me uh, because she's being honest so I didn't really like that too much but then there's the other thing where she would I would notice and this kind of like maybe one of their character issues because like I would notice that like I'd have to get up for a second maybe go take a phone call and then when I come back to my seat I notice there's less food on my plate than when I left, uh, and that's, that's the less than honest approach, uh, that's the behind your back approach, then this is the one that hurts the most, I'll be honest with you, this, this one I'm about to describe, it hurts your feelings, uh, because what happens is she waits in the conversation at lunch until a moment where I'm saying something, and she just looks at me and stares me right in my eyes and goes yeah yeah and she's I'm thinking she loves me more than anyone has ever loved me she cares about everything I say, but what she's actually doing is keeping our eyes locked and she's reaching underneath our eye line while I'm talking reaching for food and what I'll notice is as I'm talking she'll go like this and I'll think to myself did she just eat one of my fries but I can't really call her out on it because it would break the flow of the conversation so this is a very deceptive kind of thing. Uh, and then you know, then she'll always use the thing like the wasteful approach. Like, you know, well, we can't let this go to waste type thing. And that kind of, uh, you know, she's trying to use the guilt trip on you there. But the thing about Amy, you know, she loves fries. She's always stealing my food. I don't like her to do it. But I remember one day we were at a restaurant and I ordered fries. But this restaurant had really good onion rings. And I like onion rings, but I just don't ever eat them that much. So Amy ordered onion rings this day. So I'm sitting there. And I really wanted one. Okay, so I, I, it kind of flipped around on me for a second. So I'm sitting there looking, and there's an onion ring there. And she notices that I'm looking at her onion rings. And she she all of a sudden gets this smile on her face. Now she's got the leverage on me. And she says to me, she goes, uh, that looks good, doesn't it? I said, yeah, it's just, it, you know, it just looks kind of great, actually. Is, this, is it is it good? She's like, oh, yeah. It's like, it's really good. She's like... You, you probably want one of those, don't you? I was like, well, I'd say yeah. And I mean, and she's just working this too. She's like, all you gotta do is just ask nicely. She's like, I, I, I don't mind sharing my food with you. And so it's one of these situations that kind of put me in my spot. And I'd like to ask you, have you ever been in a situation where you need something in your life that you have a hard time giving away yourself? Because Jesus, in this story, is talking to us about a subject in life that we all need forgiveness, but we all have a difficult time giving away to others. And he's telling this story in response to a, to a statement that is made by Peter. Peter's one of the disciples, and he tries to impress everyone. The disciples, in many ways, are no different than you and I. They're just people that love God and They made a heavy commitment to follow Jesus. They were imperfect, just like we are. We're working things out day by day. They stuck with it to the very end, which I hope all of us are able to do. Uh, But Peter made mistakes, just like anyone else. And so Peter's trying to show off in front of Jesus, in front of all his friends. And according to Jewish law at the time, you were were only required to forgive someone three times. If If you forgave someone three times, there was no more forgiveness after that. Three times and you're done. Look at someone next to you and say, you better be glad we don't live back there. Three times and you're out. Three strikes and you're out. So Peter is trying to impress everyone. And he asked Jesus, you know, he probably breaks out his best British voice because you have to sound sophisticated. Jesus, how many times do you think it's possible to forgive someone? (laughs) Seven? (laughs) Should I forgive someone seven times? He's trying to, so essentially what Peter's doing is he's trying to take the amount that you're supposed to forgive someone, he's trying to double it, and then add one just to show off. Like, I'm so merciful. Seven times and Jesus sees to the heart of what Peter's doing. He's trying to show off. He's trying to teach Peter, you don't know anything about forgiveness if you think seven is impressive. He says, how about 70 times seven? So Jesus is not changing the number from 3 to 490. He's not giving him an actual number. What Jesus is saying is take the number that you think is more than you should ever forgive someone and multiply it by another huge number, and then that should let you know that it's not about the number of times. It's limitless amounts of times that someone wrongs you that you're supposed to forgive if you understand how much forgiveness you need. So they're blown away. So Jesus goes right out of this statement about forgiveness. Seven times. And he tells this story. The kingdom of heaven is like this king who owed this amount of money. 10,000 talents. Now, before we get to what 10,000 talents is, let's go to what he was owed. He was owed 100 denarii. Okay, a denarii was a day's wage. So whatever somebody makes in one day... He's owed 100 days' wages. So I've heard it said before that it's possible that some... The, the, so remember, he gets forgiven of this huge amount, and then he goes out on the street and sees someone who owes him a, a little amount. And he immediately starts choking this guy. So this guy that owed him the little amount owed him $35,000. Okay, but I want to. I want you just to understand this story. If this story doesn't impress you, you kind of need to get a feel for what this money is. He's, he's owed $35,000. He's just been forgiven of a huge amount, and he starts choking this guy. You say, well, how much did he owe the king? He owed him 10,000 talents, okay? Well, if, if a denarii is one day's wage, one talent is 20 years' wages. One talent is 20 years' wages, and he owed the king 10,000 talents, some people say that he owed him in excess of $7 billion. He's forgiven this massive amount. And, he, he, and so you're saying, well, why is this so impressive? Because he owed the king all this money, and the king said to him, I release you. And what he should have done, according to law, is you could become a slave. Your wife would become a slave. Your kids would become a slave. And generationally, you would be indebted to the person you owed money to until your kids eventually paid them off. And this man pleads and says, please don't do this to me. And the king is gracious and says, you know what? I forgive you completely. I wipe it away totally and completely. So this man walks out free and clear. And the first person that he encounters, he sees someone who owes him $35,000. After being forgiven, $7 billion. He starts to choke this guy and has this guy thrown in jail Because he owes him this money, and then the king finds out about it, and he ends up having to go to jail himself, and it's a pretty sad situation, and and, and I think that this, this story and this analogy teaches us that forgiveness is not quantitative. Jesus is saying seven 70 times seven, it's not quantitative. It's not about the quantity. Jesus is trying to say that forgiveness is always. It's always qualitative. It's always about the quality of the forgiveness. Let's forget about the number. And what Jesus is saying is always get to the heart of the matter. Always make sure that you truly forgive. Because the way this actually ends, Matthew chapter 18, verses 34 and 35. Verse 35 says, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So it says... In anger, his master delivered him to the jailers till he should pay all his debt. And so basically he's saying that if you don't forgive from your heart, Jesus is going to have you thrown in jail. The Father is going to have you thrown in jail. If you don't forgive from your heart, look at someone next to you and say, from your heart. See, this is the problem. It it, it has to be a heart thing. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. See, it's not just a matter of someone saying, well, I'm sorry, I wronged you. You're going, I forgive you. It's not just saying the words, I forgive you. It's got to be what? It's got to be from your heart. Jesus is requiring us that we learn how to forgive from the heart or we're in danger of being cast outside of the king's favor and mercy, just like this man in the story. Even in the Lord's Prayer, it says, forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. In in verse 14 of Matthew chapter 6, it says, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. Forgive your trespasses. See, we don't forgive so we can be saved. We forgive because we have been saved. We forgive because we have been saved. Forgiveness has to come from a place of gratefulness, of gratitude. I heard a story about forgiveness that really was was moving to me. And it was about China before China became communist Uh, They were ruled by magistrates of different districts that had legal authority to to judge issues, to take care of situations in towns. And this one magistrate was a Christian man in the early 1940s. And somebody, his neighbor, had taken a a piece of his property and, and planted a garden on it and started growing vegetables, all this stuff, on his property. And he was a Christian and he got so upset. And he didn't know how to respond. He wanted to fight the guy. He wanted to uh, confront the guy. He was so mad, but he said that he prayed about it. And the Lord told him how to resolve the situation. So he went and had a deed drawn up. And he gave this man that piece of his property. And he knocked on the door and took a couple of people with him just so that it would be official. And he said, I just want you to know that I'm giving you this property. Uh, you, You already have a garden there, so go ahead and take it. You can have it. I give it to you. So the man wasn't very gracious... He didn't say thank you. He wasn't overwhelmed by the act of generosity. It didn't appear. Has that ever happened to you before? Have you ever given a sincere apology? Like like you forgive someone. You're like, I forgive you. And and they don't really appreciate it very much. You're kind of like, well, I take it back then. You know what I mean? You're almost kind of mad. You're you're like, like, I let it go. And they're like, okay, good. And you're like, do you realize how hard that was for me to, to forgive you? Same type of thing. So this guy doesn't really say anything. Well, anyways... When when China became communist, uh, just a couple of months or a year later, all the magistrates that were not communist were executed. And they actually killed these men in, in all the towns that were running that were not communist, and they replaced them with officials that were part of the communist party. Well, the man that he had given that property to was one of the communists that was in the party that took over that whole region And he wasn't even supposed to do this, but he gave orders to everyone in the communist party. Do not execute this man. Do not touch this man. This is a good and righteous man. I've seen it myself. So even though he was killing everyone else, this one man, because he showed kindness and forgiveness, brought favor on his family and saved their lives. See, forgiveness has got to be a thing in our life that we demonstrate toward others because you don't even know what you could be planning. We're demonstrating the gospel of Jesus. We're showing and demonstrating the love of Jesus to others when we show forgiveness. I heard a story of a a guy that works in construction. And when you're in construction, your tools are very important to you. Uh, They're expensive. And and some people have a a ton of money invested in tools. And this guy was doing these jobs. And uh, one day he noticed a very expensive tool of his that was gone. And he was working with another guy that had not been with him very long. But he noticed that his tool was in this other guy's toolbox. And the guy had tried to scuff it up and to change it around and make it look like it wasn't his. But he he knew, he knew that that was his. He recognized it. And uh, he was, uh, once again, he was mad about it. He said, so I prayed about it for three days. And he said, after three days, the Holy Spirit told me exactly what to do. So I went to this man and I said, look... Uh, I know that you took my tool because I see it uh, in your toolbox and the guy just his face he just he just looked like he was about about to die he said but I just want you to know that you can have it he said you could give it back if you want he said but I'm offering that you you can go ahead and keep it because obviously you need it a lot I'll find a different one but uh, I just want you to know that there's there's no hard feelings and I'm glad that you're here I think you're a nice guy And, um, you know, God bless you. So this guy just got so wrecked by this. Uh, The guy that was was given the forgiveness kept trying to become friends with him. He kept uh, offering to give him money and uh, to do all these different things for him. And eventually this guy came to church... Uh, with this man who forgave him, and he gave his heart to the Lord. And when he said that he gave his heart to the Lord, he said, I could not live knowing that I had been forgiven on that level. I could not live knowing that I had been forgiving on that. Shouldn't that be how we are? We have been forgiven on such a level that we should be so overwhelmed by the love that God has given us that we can't even handle it. Plus, look what happens when you demonstrate the gospel through forgiveness. You're demonstrating the love of Jesus. It overwhelms people. People are not used to that. And aren't you glad that forgiveness is something that when God gives it to us, he doesn't hold it over our heads. He doesn't remind us constantly. Let's stop reminding people of what we have forgiven them from. That's not the way God treats us. We don't show up in church on a Sunday morning and lift our hands to sing, and the Holy Spirit goes, yeah, you better lift your hands. You know what you did last week. He doesn't say that. No, he, wa- he washes away our sin as far as the east is from the west. He forgets about them. We're, we're distant from our sin. It says if we're faithful, to, if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us from our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's gone. It's washed away forever. I heard a story of a, of a family and God bless any family that would adopt someone but it was a heartbreaking story because this boy that got adopted into their family he was eight years old and he had been abandoned his whole life and grew up in an orphanage and he wanted to take a couple of keepsakes with him from his old life because there were some caregivers and people there that were very kind to him and he took a little stuffed bunny and he took an old pair of shoes that he had that had holes all in the bottom of his shoes. And, and they were given to him by the, the headmaster of the school and just kind of reminded him of the school. Well, this new family gave him a brand new life, bought him a brand new wardrobe. He, I mean, he just was loved. Was, everything was great. But what he started discovering over time is that when he would misbehave, the father of that house would make him go get that old pair of shoes and wear the old pair of shoes with holes in the bottom of them until he felt like the kid was sorry because he wanted to remind the kid, I'm the one that got you out of this. I'm just so grateful that my God doesn't treat me like that. My God never reminds me of what I've done. My God allows me to walk in victory as the new man that I am today. So why should we require everyone else to put on that old pair of shoes? We need to learn how to let go. God has forgiven us of billions of sins, billions of dollars of debt like this story. I mean, what he's trying to say is it's so much that you can't comprehend it. Remember when I said that, that, that a talent is, is 20 years worth of ra- wages times 10,000? Everyone was like, whoa. The reason you did that is you basically were saying, there's no way to repay that. That's exactly what Jesus wanted us to think. There's no way to repay what God has given to us. How can we hold bitterness and unforgiveness toward others when God has forgiven us of so much? We're Christians. Look at someone next to you and say, we're Christians. We're Christians. This is our life. This is what we believe. We have been saved by grace. Jesus has given us everything. Everything. God does not require, he doesn't hold it over, us, over our head, but he wants us to understand, I have given you forgiveness, now show me that you get it. Show me that you understand by giving it away. Show me that you understand by not punishing the people in your life when they do you wrong and you hold it over their head. I mean, have you ever noticed how dumb it is when we try to punish the people in our life when we're mad at them? How stupid is the silent treatment? Have you ever tried that? That is the dumbest punishment in the world, especially when you're married. When you're married, you get mad at your spouse, and you go, I have an idea. I'm not going to talk to them anymore. Yeah, that's what I'll do. And then they ask you to say, how was your day? You go, and she's like, oh, okay, well, interesting. And what do you want for dinner? I don't know. I don't care wherever you want and then what it starts getting awkward you when you're around groups of people and you're with your spouse and you're talking to all these people and they're making a joke (laughs) you're laughing at everyone's jokes you're having a good time you come back to your spouse and they say something you go you're like oh yeah i i have to remember i'm mad at you you, you become an actor at that point. You're like having fun with everyone. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm not smiling at you. I'm not talking to you. What, what, what is this? This is just, it's bitterness. It's unforgiveness. It manifests in ridiculous ways, stupid ways that we don't even like ourself. We We realize after we do the silent treatment for a day, we're like, wow, I'm not punishing her. I'm punishing myself. I'm bored. Like I need someone to talk to right now. So Jesus is just trying to help us learn how to live free, y'all. He just wants us to, to live free, to just let things go. What we don't realize is that unforgiveness is a prison that keeps us chained to our history rather than free to run toward our destiny. See, we get chained to the past and we're, we're just we're trying to move forward. We got these chains back on somebody that we won't forgive and we're trying to move forward but we're pushing against that resistance from our past and when we let it go and we turn around and go, you know what? I forgive you. I let it go in Jesus' name. Now, boom, the chains are gone. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We're free to move forward into the future God has called us to and we let it go. We truly, truly let it go. Look, You may be wondering, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is canceling a debt that is owed to you. It's canceling it. You know, I just say something. I mean, you're better to just be honest with yourself and just say, I'm not a Christian. I can't forgive than you are to pretend to forgive someone. You pretend to forgive someone, but you bring it back up and you make them put those old shoes back on again. It's just not right. It's not fair. You'd be better off to just don't lie to everyone. Just say, look, I can't forgive you. I'm not a real Christian. I'll never forgive you. You'd be better off. At least you'd let someone know where you stand rather than trying to make them put those shoes on every single time they come around you. It's not right. Forgiveness is canceling a debt owed to you. Someone say canceling it. You know what it also is? It's, it's removing the control that the offender has over you. See, a lot, of, a lot of us think that unforgiveness is our control over them. But we don't realize that unforgiveness is actually giving control to the person that hurt us. We're not free to move forward because we're allowing them. See, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Forgiveness is forsaking revenge and leaving the ultimate justice in God's hands. I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings. I'm just going to be honest with you. You know what unforgiveness really is? It's a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith in God. What we don't believe truly deep down inside, when we're unwilling to forgive, we don't believe that if we forgive, then God is going to take care of the justice part. So we feel like, I'm not going to forgive because I got to get justice. See, when you have enough faith in God, you trust Him and you say, Lord, I'm going to go ahead and forgive. I'm going to let it go. I realize what they've done is terrible, but I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let you deal with the justice part because I trust you. You're good. I believe what you say. And I know you're going to... And you say, well, what does that mean He's going to deal with it? Look, I don't want to get into this too deep here today, and I'm going to preach on this in the next couple of months. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. And what it basically means is we think... We think it's either heaven or hell. Like as Christians, you either go to heaven or you go to hell. Heaven is perfect, everyone's equal in heaven, everyone has everything, that's actually not true. Hell is evil, it's terrible, it's bad, everyone's equal. If if you didn't know Jesus and you were a humanitarian and you blessed the world, you burn in the same hell as Hitler and there's no different. That's actually just not true. When I'm talking about justice, God is a God of justice and every single, single thing that we say or do, we will be judged for even as Christians. What the Bible refers to is Christians, when you do evil things toward people as Christians, you suffer what the Bible calls loss of reward. So you are in heaven, but there are going to be different positions in heaven, different levels of responsibility in heaven. So when God judges, so when you do something wrong as a Christian, you're forgiven. You don't have to be punished in hell. But when we get to heaven, there's going to be different levels of responsibility. You're going to have to be accountable for your actions to God someday. And When I say that he judges fairly, he's going to assess every one of your actions. And the Bible says that every one of your works are going to be tried. By fire. And it said some of your works will appear as wood, hay, stubble. And some will will appear as stones or precious jewels. And which means when those things are burned, stones and precious jewels will remain through the fire. The work of your life will be tested by the fire of God. And whatever remains will be your reward in heaven. So some Christians are going to get to heaven and they knew Jesus. But they never lived for God. So all of eternity, they're going to have a level of responsibility in heaven throughout eternity that they will never be able to change based on the works that they've done so we have to be confident as christians likewise hell has different levels of punishment according to the, the life that people lived here on earth so my point is this when you forgive and you say well god that person is a christian if i forgive them you're going they're gonna go to heaven you're not gonna judge them you're nothing's gonna happen No, no no every person has to be accountable for what they've done We have to believe that fundamentally as Christians to allow ourselves to truly release things, that God is fair, he's a just judge, and he will take care of it. Someone say, God is just. Somebody say, God is a good judge. Come on, say, if I release it, he will take care of it. You have to believe that, okay? You truly have to believe that if you're gonna forgive. Okay, forgiveness is leaving it to God Forgiveness is an ongoing process. Forgiveness is actually wanting good for your offender. I know that's really hard. It literally means, and, and this is a hard thing that I have to pray sometimes. When, when people do things and say things and just lie do stuff, I just have to go, Lord, Holy Spirit, just reveal yourself to them. Show them your mercy. Show them your goodness. Let them find you somehow. Teach them. Reach them. It's hard to do because you want to do you know, you want to say, Lord, if there's like an extra meteorite floating around that could land on their house, just just do it, please, just this one time. No, you don't do that. You don't do that. Here's what forgiveness is not. Okay, and I know some of you are probably stressed out about what, uh, this whole message because you're thinking it is what I'm about to say. It's not. Forgiveness is not denying that it happened. Forgiveness is not diminishing the evil. Forgiveness is not enabling sin. Forgiveness is certainly not a verbal response to an apology. Remember, Jesus said earlier that we have to do it with our heart. It's not just saying it, it's demonstrating it. Forgiveness is not covering up crimes committed against us. There are sometimes, and I want to say this very clearly, there are sometimes that you need to forgive someone from your heart and from your soul, and they need to call the police. And you say, well, what do you mean? I mean, cases of sexual abuse, a lot of physical abuse and violence against people. It's perfectly appropriate. I mean, my wife suffered through sexual abuse growing up from a family member and went the legal route. It's one of the toughest. I was with her during that time, dating her while she was going through this whole process. It, it she, she tried to kill herself. She took 80 Tylenol. I mean, it was ripping her family apart. She had to have her stomach pump and almost died. It was a devastating, difficult time where she had to learn how to forgive, but also she had to get justice for the crime that was committed in a a legal sense. So I don't want you to think forgiveness is enabling sin or saying that it's okay. Spiritually, we have to let it go. There are times that you have to take the appropriate methods. Sometimes, you know, when it comes to certain legal matters, you know, sometimes you might have to let some things go. The Bible talks about lawsuits and you know, making sure that you you settle quickly with your adversaries and and don't be suing people and all kind of stuff like that. I mean, so so you just have to learn how to get your heart right and use wisdom on know when to let it go. Can I get an amen from somebody? You know, I, I this this last story I've told some great stories today of uh, of forgiveness, just just things that I've heard over the years that have moved me, but. Probably one of the ones that blows my mind more than any of them is my mom. Uh, suffering the sexual abuse she went through from her father from the time she was a kid till she was 17 years old. He was my grandfather was the strangest human being uh, you've ever met. He he got saved at a later point in his life and he was the piano player for Elvis Presley. He was one of them. He looked like John Wayne. Uh, Six feet tall, hilarious. He could tell jokes to anyone that you ever met to. I mean, uh, the kind of guy that everyone wanted to be around but didn't know he had a dark side to his life. Uh, And my mom, growing up, suffered suffered a lot of brutality from this man that I revered and in in some way. I hated him. Uh, I I was sexually abused by my grandfather uh, when I was five years old. So, I mean, this is a... It's a tough thing to to, to understand and to have the wisdom to understand, you know, when to make these choices and how to let things go uh, when you've been through these difficult kinds of things. But my mom, when she was older, she went to college and got her PhD in psychology to learn how to deal with the the, the emotional and, and mental trauma that she went through, through sexual abuse. And right before my grandfather died, now remember, he was not saved when he did all these things. He got saved became a man of God and that led a lot of people to Jesus in prison and stuff like that. So it's a very weird thing when someone has done something not saved and they get saved. It's like you're a Christian, you're supposed to forgive them, but yet they've they've done so many things in your life. And my mom went to him before he died and she put a tape recorder on the table. He never admitted any of the things that he had did. He, he never admitted one thing that he did to my mom, not to my grandmother, not to her. In spite of the fact that he was a Christian, he never said, I'm sorry, never acknowledged it. And she put the tape recorder down on the table, not to call him out, but her approach was unimaginable. Just my mom is such a pure person, tries to keep her heart right before God. She put the tape recorder down and my grandma and grandpa were there and she said, Daddy, she said, I just want to tell you something that I need to ask you for forgiveness. She said, because I've never been able to love you the way that I'm supposed to love you as a Christian because I've held on to the things that happened to me when I was a girl and a little girl that you did to me and those things have stood in my way of being able to be as Christ-like toward you as I should. I mean, I I, I can't even fathom, I I mean, I can't even fathom this kind of uh, kindness and love that my mom is showing. And my grandfather broke down crying for the first time in his life right before he died in front of my grandmother and my mom, he said, yes, I did those things and I'm sorry. See, this is a gritty, difficult conversation. What the conversation of forgiveness is tough, it hurts. Jesus had to tell a story that was so huge that makes us realize that no matter what has been done to us, God has forgiven us of way more that we have done toward him. Forgiveness is not this fun little thing that I can tie a bow on the end of this sermon and make you go, oh, so glad I went to church today. This is such a wonderful feeling. Because what it is, is we've got this baggage. We've got these chains in our life that are connected to someone else somewhere else. And we have to learn to let it go if we're ever gonna be free in Jesus. So today, I'm gonna ask you to do this. At the end of this service, my mom is inspiring to me. I wanna live that way. I want to live the kind of way where the Bible says that if, listen to this, I I mean, I'm not teaching on this specifically, but the Bible actually says, look, I'm going to show you right here. I'm going to come down to the front row so they can film my bald spot real good here. Okay. So it says, if you're, if you're worshiping, you're down on the front row. I'm just demonstrating it. You know, yeah, Lord, we worship you. You're singing on a Sunday morning. You are Nothing can. It says if you're up here worshiping and you remember that your brother has a problem with you, it says leave the altar immediately. There wasn't a big enough response to that. I'm actually gonna say it one more time because I don't think you get it. It says you you woke up and came to church on a Sunday morning. It says if you're up here worshiping, you are alive, and here we are at City of Life today and in City of Life, uh, you know, we, te- we believe what the Bible teaches, that, you know, the, the, the tithe belongs to the Lord and, and, and the, the offering represents our generosity and, uh, you know, tithing represents our obedience. And, and you're up here, you go, oh, yes, man, I love the church. I love what God does. Let me put a 1,000 in today. God says if you remember while you're worshiping that you have got an unsettled problem with someone else, Do you know what it says to do? It doesn't say come up here and go, oh, Pastor, i got to admit something I never forget. No, it doesn't say. It says leave. Get out. It says leave the front row. God ain't interested in what you're trying to say to him if you're not willing to go to the person that you have a problem with and get it worked out immediately. God wants you to demonstrate forgiveness to others that he has demonstrated toward you look at someone next to you say that's the only reason you're allowed to leave church biblically that's the only reason it says get out and go right to the person and settle it it means that unforgiveness weighs down on us it keeps us from our destiny i am tired of seeing people unable to break free The same rut over and over. They only get to a certain level and they can never get past it. It's the chains of unforgiveness that puts you in a prison. Let it go. Look at three people and say, let it go. Come on, look at three people and say, let it go. Matthew 18, 15 says if your brother sins against you look i I don't ask you to do i tell you to say this and say that i don't i don't ask you to physically do a ton of things but i'm asking you right now every single person in this room please write down on your phone find something to write on right now write this scripture down matthew 18 15 through 20 if you're sitting next to someone and they ain't doing nothing nudge them and say let's both write it down matthew 18 15 through 20 this is going to be your homework Matthew 18, 15 through 20. The Bible gives us detailed protocol. I'm not talking about a suggestion. I'm talking about protocol. A three-level protocol for dealing with conflict between us and other people. I'm just going to read it exactly exactly. And can I just tell you something? I do not understand. If you call yourself a Christian, I do not understand how you can ignore what what I'm about to read. It is so evil. It is so hypocritical. It is so wrong to ignore what I'm about to read because it's written there for us. I don't care if you're 10 years old or 100 years old. If you've tried to live your life ignoring this and you just try to figure out your own way, it's sinful and wrong. You don't hear me use that kind of language very often, do you? But I'm telling you straight up, it's sinful and it is wrong to ignore what I'm about to read. Okay? So here's what the Bible says about working out problems between you and people. If you figured out your own way, you're wrong. Okay? If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Between who? You and him alone. Does that mean that when someone does something to you that you open up your Facebook page? How can some family members lie all the time? You know what I'm saying? Hashtag uncle. <laughs> if he listens to you in the one-on-one... Con- so, so can I clarify something for you? It doesn't say, if someone does something to you, go tell your wife, see what she thinks about it. It doesn't say, call up your pastor and say, pastor, well someone did something to me, what should I do? No, 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 it says, when someone does something to you, go to them. Remember the story I told you about the man who had his, someone, he got something stolen from him and he went to the other guy and said, look, I know that you took the tool out of my toolbox. What, what, he followed the biblical protocol. That's what you're actually supposed to do. Even, even the story about the man in China, he prayed about it. God told him how to confront it. He went and boom, he just dealt with it. Here, I'm just giving you the land. He, de- he dealt with it in a way where he didn't even have to ask for forgiveness. He just dealt with it. He just, he just gave it away. It says, if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. Here's level two. So that's level one. But it doesn't always work because you confront some people and they lie, they deny it, they don't want any part of it. They're not gonna admit what they've done. So it gives you level two. Same, don't give up on people. If he does not listen the first time, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So it's saying the first time when you confront them, if they don't listen to you, and you say, what does that mean? You are saying, look, man, I heard, you know, you, you said something about me that was not true. You told this person that and it really hurt my feelings. Don't lie about it. Just tell me that you said it and then I just want to work it out because I want to be friends with you. Does this make sense to you? I'm trying to give you an example. Just, just, just be, be honest about it. I've told lies before in my life too. I don't want anything to come in, in between our friendship because I like you. I want to be friends with you. If he says, I, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. So now the Bible says take two or three people with you. Now you got two or three. I'm not talking about people with like pitchforks and stuff like that. I'm talking about like nice people. And you go and you say, look, I, I, I want to have this conversation one more time. You said this about me. Here's the person you said it to. They said that you said it. So I just want to make sure that that you're, you're telling the truth here. The Bible says if they reject that, level three says take it to the church. Now it's time to make an appointment with a pastor. Now it's time to send an email to the church. Now you get the church involved, and the church is supposed to help you confront it. Then it says if they don't listen to you then then let him be to you as a Gentile or tax collector. And what that means is a Gentile is an outsider who has nothing to do with God. So it means that person has chosen to live a non-Christian life and you're to have nothing to do with them see Titus 3.9 says but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies for they're unprofitable in vain a man that is a heretic admonish once or twice knowing that he is subverted that he is subverted and himself sinneth so what that means is that heretics are people that sin in themselves they don't want to be corrected in any way it means you're to break off fellowship when you followed the protocol but you have to know that you followed it correctly and in a godly way does that make sense to everyone? And then he ends it with the very misquoted scripture. He says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there among them. That's referring to conflict resolution. That when you bring the two or three people together to deal with conflict resolution the holy spirit is present something beautiful happens people always use that scripture in like tiny prayer meetings like three people show up for your prayer meeting they say "Where two or three are gathered in your name you're in the midst of them lord thank you for being here that's not what that means it means that the holy spirit shows up when you are willing to deal with conflict i preached this message today the same one i preached at colso for a reason god wants city of life to be free he wants the people of this church to live free. So I'm going to ask you to do something. Yeah, amen. Come on. Let's, let's give him a prayer. He wants us to live free. I don't want you to be in that prison. I don't want you to keep hitting the ceiling with how far you can go with God, you will never go higher than this. If the Bible says leave church when you're trying to worship, if you've got a problem with someone else, that should tell us all we need to know about forgiveness. It has to be a priority. God does not require us to put on those old shoes. God just wants to know that we get it. He's given it to us. Now give it to everyone else. Forgiveness and mercy shown to us should be forgiveness and mercy shown through us. It has to be a process that we get. So I'm gonna ask you to do something right now. Close your eyes, everyone in the room. In this moment, I feel the power of the Holy Spirit moving in this place, I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to think of the unforgiveness you have in your life. Don't lie to yourself. Don't reinvent history. Don't try to say, oh, well, I did the right thing. If you know that you've got bitterness in your heart, don't, don't lie to yourself. It's only going to stop you from moving forward in your future. You're locking yourself up in the prison of unforgiveness, but admit it in your heart. And I want you to do something right now. I want you to just with your eyes closed, I want you to take your fist and just make a fist I'm just both hands. Make a fist with both hands. And I want you to put all of that unforgiveness in your fist. Everything in your life, put that in your fist. As you're, you've been holding that tight. You've been holding on to that tight. I want you to ball those fists up tight because I want you to know that the, the tension that comes from unforgiveness. How difficult it is to truly hold on to that. And I want you to just imagine yourself right now. I want you to imagine yourself letting it go. I want you to imagine yourself understanding what Jesus has done for you. And no matter what someone has done to you, you're willing to let it go today in Jesus' name. And I'm going to ask you to lift those fists up in the air, closed fists up in the air. You're going to give these things to God. When I count to three, I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, I want everyone in this room to say, I let it go in Jesus' name. When I count to three, I want everyone in this room to say, I let it go in Jesus' name. Come on, think about it right now. Think about it right now. Think about the people you need to let go of. Think about the things against you that you need to let go of so you can be free today. When I count to three, we're going to say, I let it go in Jesus' name. Here we go. One, two, three. I let it go in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. There's freedom here today. There's freedom here today. There's freedom in this house today. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, move. Heal hearts today in the name of Jesus. Heal hearts today in the name of Jesus. We let it go right now. Jesus name. I speak peace. I just sense, I just sense the presence of the Holy Spirit in this moment, just wrapping his arms around you right now. I feel like there's a lot of people that have held on because of pain and hurt. You were so worried that someone would get off the hook, but I just sense the Holy Spirit just comforting people right now, just letting you know that it is okay. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to walk with you, and I'm going to fill you up. The bitterness and unforgiveness that you have, I'm about to replace with limitless grace and mercy and fulfillment in me that you will not be empty. You're not losing one thing, and now there's a void. You're losing something bad, and it's being replaced with something wonderful. God is pouring that into you right now. We hope you enjoyed this teaching by Pastor Jeffrey Smith. You can be a part of what God is doing here at City of Life by clicking give at www.col.tv or by texting a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. Thanks for joining us.